Wonderful. Well, it's, oh man, this is awesome. It's great to see you. I've been contenting myself with a um, congregation of one, just Mr. Mevo. You may have met him before. He's a great listener as far as congregants go. He doesn't even blink while the sermon's happening. Not much of a tither, but uh, I've gotten used to him. Anyhow, um, it is really good to see you. I just want to read a psalm which I think for me really says something about how I'm feeling this morning. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with them. I can hardly believe some of you are back. It feels like a bit of a dream come true. So if I'm dreaming, nobody in my house is allowed to start snoring loudly. And I hope the furnace doesn't turn on because I would like to keep in this dream for a while. One announcement, one more announcement. Would you believe that these are chaotic times? So apparently under the new rules for the next three weeks, you can have a larger self-help group than you can have a church service by quite a bit. So Calvary Chapel is launching a self-help group on Wednesday at 7.30 here at the building. It's, I'm, I'm calling it the, oh, thank you, Christ is Lord self-help group for people with addictions or other behavior problems, because I think that's the official title you need to be doing. It's not like we've never done anything like a self-help group before. We just haven't for a while. So 7.30 here at the building. Please let us know that you're planning on coming, but... I think according to the wording, we can have... Space will be limited, but I th- there will probably be space for everybody who wants to come. Now, the plan is that we're going to have a short time where like an actual Christian counselor is going to give like a short talk on a mental health issue, and then we'll break into some small groups and be able to discuss some discussion topics and care for one another all in, you know, the socially distanced blah, 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 everything you've learned for the last year way. Um, But I've been noticing that since January, many, many people have taken quite a mental health turn for the worst. And so um, we're going to start doing this. We've secured three Wednesdays, and who knows? Who even knows what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So the future is not ours to control, but starting this Wednesday, and at least for the next three Wednesdays, we're going to have these self-help groups, which is really funny to call it that, you know. Um, but this is the kind of self-help where you're helping yourself by going to the only one who can help yourself Amen. kind of group. So there you go. You're welcome to come to that. And I'm not going to judge whether or not you need this, okay? So self-help stuff is often for like addictions, 
anger, depression, anxiety. Those are some of the topics we might be talking about. But personally, like everybody's impacted so differently from this time that I'm not going to stand at the door and tell you that you're not a candidate for getting some care at this group on Wednesday. Like how evil would that be? Amen. So, um, so please let us know you're coming. We're going to do our best. We only had, I think, Agatha only suggested how to make this work on Wednesday. So I don't think we've ever gone from idea to accomplishment of idea in a week before. So I'm just like, I don't know. I don't do this. I like thinking. So, but we're going to try to do this, okay? So if you need this, if you need to come and sit in a small group safely and be able to talk about how you're doing, there should should be room in less more people then come to Calvary Chapel on a weekend show up. You know what I'm talking about? Anyhow, so we're going to try to figure this this one out. And and we're going to do it as respectfully as possible to all the rules, and which is possible. And, um, and I would just like, as far as I know, there hasn't been a case of COVID in Steinbeck for like a week, which is a comforting thought if you're going to, come out to a self-help group okay so so if you're getting the sense i don't know what i'm doing here it's only because i don't know what i'm doing here (laughs) but hopefully by wednesday night we will have an idea of at least how to start it amen okay so good we got that part done that wasn't the message the message this sunday was pastor bumbles through (laughs) painfully long announcement (laughs) There were no slides. No. Um, We are in week three of Finding Freedom in February. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, if you want to turn there. All right. The message title today is The Best Freedom. And if you've been with us, as you've been with us, we started off this, this time... I was just trying to declare this big idea that Jesus is freedom because there's so many different things that we want to go to to give us freedom, so many different things that we can call freedom, so many different things that we can lose and say that we've lost our freedom. And just wanting to build the foundation of our lives on the only foundation for life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and even something like freedom in the midst of a time where everybody's lost something they wish they had or wish they could do, wanting to just start off by saying, Jesus is true freedom and the source of all freedom. And then last week, we looked at a story of Jesus proving that keeping your eyes focused on him is is conquering fear, and that Jesus is the Lord over fear, and Jesus is the way out of fear. And just and in my head... The reason that was number two is because most Christian freedom to enter into it or to stay in it will require facing a fear and overcoming a fear. Most Christian freedom will involve facing a challenge or a trial. And so if you're going to have any kind of Christian freedom you're going to need to know and have confidence that Jesus can overcome the fears that keep you bound up in the first place. 
And so today, I want to go to what I think is probably, I could be wrong, but probably the kind of freedom that Jesus is most concerned about in his people and in the world. And this is really freedom from sin. And so let's read this passage together. I'm still learning how big the font needs to be. Is this readable for people there at the back? Is this working? Okay. People online, we're in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. And these are the very words of God. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why don't we pray together? Father, here we are before you, Lord, uh, a tithe of us together at this location. Many other people at home or listening to us at a later date. My desire is that everyone would equally be impacted by your Holy Spirit through faith. And Father, would you help me? You know I need, need help this morning. Everybody can see I need help this morning. So would you give me a fresh supply of grace through the Holy Spirit to be a true servant of your word? But more importantly, Lord, I pray the Spirit would do his work of conviction, of illuminating the mind and the heart, helping us to see the truth, and that the power and goodness of Jesus Christ would be lifted up over every life and every circumstance, and that this true freedom that Jesus is talking about would grip and lay hold of us and capture us and imprison us and never let us go. I ask these things for your glory. And amen. So in the midst of this story, I really love the Gospel of John. In many ways, it's not the easiest gospel. Um, John likes talking about themes and has Jesus have these long, long, long speeches that can kind of uh, lose you sometimes. But one of the things that's going on here, Jesus is preaching at the temple. He's at the treasury. And he's, so he's, so in our minds, let's remember, he's talking to Jews. He's talking to people who would have gone to Sabbath like every week for their entire lives. Their entire week was just dominated by talk about God and thoughts about God and remembering that they're the people of God. And so they're not talking, he's not necessarily talking to um, whoever you might picture is the kind of person that doesn't know God at all. He's talking to God people. And he's debating with them. And previous to this quotation, he's been trying to labor with them about how they really need to come to believe in him or else they're going to die in their sin. And they're having a really hard time receiving his speech. But what it says is that even though there's lots of conflict, some people in the crowd begin to believe in him. And so he addresses the people who are believing what he's saying. This is some of the crazy part of this section here. And I'm going to hopefully help us understand what's going on here a little bit better. 
But he's talking to people who believe in him. And he says to them, I want you to abide in my word so you can truly be my disciples so that the truth will really set you free. Which is interesting. John likes to play with the idea of what real faith is for people because Jesus came to a people who were all totally convinced that they were true believers in Yahweh, God of Israel. But yeah, look what happened. So he, John is messing with people's assumptions about what faith is. He's messing with their assumptions about belief is. Because that's what Jesus had to do. He came to his own people, the beginning of the gospel says, but the people did not receive him. Has anybody here grown up in a culture where everybody was a Christian? And everybody went to church? But over time, you had some questions about why things turned out the way they turned out. If everybody was supposed to know God and everyone was supposed to be Christian, hello? Anybody? Okay. That wasn't my experience. My family helped me by acting out their convictions by not taking me to church. And so when I got saved, it was like a total life-altering moment, which wasn't great in a lot of ways, but at least it, it, it made something simpler. But Jesus is talking to people who believe in him, what he's saying at the moment, and then he starts to tell them how they really need to get set free by persevering in believing the truth. And then they get offended. And this is the first thing I want to try to emphasize about why we as Christians need to persevere in treasuring freedom from sin as the highest kind of freedom that Christ has come to bring us. To be free to be children of God, to be free to live forever, to be free to be forgiven. But this kind of freedom where like, I, I want to be free from the bondage of sin. I want to be free from the blinding of sin. I want to be free from sin as like the highest kind of freedom that a Christian could want. More than like the freedom to, well, whatever we tend to want instead. So Jesus, talking to people who are, are beginning to believe in him, who do believe in him, says, you've got to persevere in my word so you can truly be my disciple. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And these people answered him and said, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been a slave. How can you say you will become free? And if you know this passage here, I won't read it, but as they go on, Jesus is going to accuse them of, of, this, of these people of being ready to kill him for what he's saying. So they think they're free, but they want to kill God. They think that they're free people, but they're offended at the speech of the Son of God. And what this just emphasizes to me, this is my big first arm-waving point, that we all ought to, ought to just treasure the freedom from sin that comes from Jesus and want to be freer from sin through the Son of God is this. Sin is so blinding that you can be talking face to face with the Messiah and hate Him for calling you to a deeper freedom. It's just the tragic, frustrating, terrifying power of sin that it can so blind people 
who are Israelites and are physical descendants of Abraham, but they can be so blinded by sin that they can literally be telling the Son of God, we're too free (laughs) to believe your words. That is terrifying. That the human heart can be so convinced of something. That they can be angry at the Son of God for calling them to freedom. Isn't that scary? (laughs) You know, I'm 40 now. And so I've seen my heart more than a few times, how bad it can get. And so I think Jackie and I talked about this recently because January was not also a good month for me feeling like I'm on top of my game all the time. Like God was really revealing some areas in my life where I was still doing stuff and thinking stuff and feeling stuff that was not coming from faith in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, but instead being trapped in sinful thoughts and thinking. And, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you go to bed at night and you're just like, Jesus, what don't I see? Because there are obviously things that you saw before January that I only saw in January, but had been there for a long time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you ever think about that? I could wake up in the morning and be like... Maybe maybe a month from now, you know, no more church restrictions and you can go and sit in a coffee shop and they won't ask you to leave because they're allowed to have more than five people in their store or whatever it is. You're just so free and you sit there and you sit with exactly what you want and the weather is just the way you want and you've got the childcare all organized and it's like for seven hours so you're not even thinking you need to get back and so the freedom is there and you sit down and you just realize... I have no idea what God still sees that I'm not free yet. And so, and I'm not saying that that you should panic or be worried, but I am saying that because I think if somebody wants to walk in all the freedom that we do have in Jesus and to embrace that kind of total sonship freedom that Jesus is offering to these people, you almost have to start off by saying, bondage to sin is no joke. And it's not to be trifled with. And you don't have an, like a superior attitude towards the blinding power of sin that can be in someone's life. You don't wake up in the morning going, I got this covered and I got my game on and I know how to handle myself. You just don't. Because we have a story where dozens if not hundreds of people wanted to kill Christ for telling them that they weren't as free as he could make them. That's humbling. That's so, I just find this so humbling to, to be reading this story and knowing 20 years into my Christian walk, not to mention the pastor, that almost any time God wants to, he can go, and you still haven't seen this one yet. Amen.
Oh, guys, the terror of the blinding power of sin. Jesus said to his disciples, there is going to be a time where everybody who kills you is going to think they are presenting an offering to God. That's so insane. And again, I'm not trying to make you panic. Because our confidence isn't even in our own power to see everything that's going on in our hearts. Our hope, 100%, is that we are owned and bought and led by a Lord who loves us more than his own life. Who came to totally set free a people who are totally helplessly in bondage. And to begin by just living this life of total abandon to the will of the Father. And to be the freest man ever by being completely submitted to the will of God. And to pay every price and to break through every barrier and to overcome every wall. So that these people, these same kind of people who always think they're doing better than they're doing. He could have them and help them and make them holy and free. And to take away even their need to feel like, I need to fix this and say to them, no. I need to fix this and I want to and I will. You just need to trust and keep trusting and listening to my word. Your job is to abide in my word. And my job is to keep making you freer and freer and freer until that day when you see me face to resurrected face and get your resurrected body and then there will never be anything like sin or bondage ever again. And so our hope is just totally in this man, Christ Jesus, the freedom giver and the sin breaker and the debt payer and the forgiveness bringer and the bloodshedder. All of our hope is in him and him alone. And in the right time and in the right way, he will just be taking us from glory to glory and grace to grace and freedom to freedom. This is the Christian life. And part of even this process of knowing that in one sense you could almost be a little bit freer than you are today if Jesus had said something yesterday that he chose not to, like worked on your conscience. You know what I'm talking about? You're reaching into the, the fridge and you're like, ah, there's only one serving of ice cream left. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> look left, look right. Oh, oh, oh. No one will know, ha, 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 or whatever, maybe, you know. Sure, it was from Josh's birthday, and he thinks it's still his, but oh, 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 I'll just say freezer burn. <laughs> and you didn't get convicted, and you didn't stop. And then today's the morning where it's like, how did he know? Why, like, why is this part of the sermon? You know, why is there kind of an enduring presence of temptation why is it still possible that we might sin and i don't know all the wisdom of god but one thing i do know is that if god didn't help us regularly remember how weak we can be before temptation he would just be so much less precious and you know what we wouldn't even know the depths of his love for us god's been forgiving me for 20 years 
I have a hard time forgiving me for 20 minutes. He must really have immeasurable, boundless, unfathomable love for me in Jesus Christ to be joyfully enduring me for all these decades. And it's true for you too. Every day that we're not perfect yet is a testimony of the kindness and patience and loving endurance of God the Father. As he forgives deeper and afresh with joy. As he glorifies the cost of his son. Every day I prove how worth filled Jesus' self-sacrifice was that God would let another thing kind of be added and then forgiven to the tally of the debt that Jesus has paid for me. If possible, every day the church proving that Jesus is more glorious because the church is loved and forgiven one more day of human history. And so we see Proven in history, the greatness of the love of God for sinners. And seeing the greatness of the love of God is like the best part of being alive. And if you want to be freer from sin, enjoy more deeply the greatness of the love of God for you. Because, like, what are we trying to do with our sins besides fill the hole of knowing the love of God for us that is a hole because we don't understand how great the love of God for us is in Christ Jesus? Isn't that why we sin? To try to protect ourselves or cover ourselves or fill ourselves or pleasure ourselves or make ourselves feel worthy or make ourselves feel important or make ourselves feel valuable. All these things that we seek which are free gifts for us through Christ Jesus from God the Father and made real and experienced through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the madnesses. You guys, would you ever read the story of Genesis in chapter 3, the fall, the first great temptation, and the first sin that destroyed everything. One of the things that is so maddening to me about that story is that Adam and Eve were literally bought off with what God was already giving them. It's fruit that's good to eat. God gave them all the fruit except for one tree. It will make you wise. They walked with God. (laughs) What kind of wisdom would he not have just told them mouth to ear if they asked him? God, I would like to learn how to make an iPhone. Well, it'll take a few days, but I got that covered. And he said, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God's, knowing good and evil. They were literally made in the image of God. And he came to them and bought them by deception by offering them everything they already had from God. 
And this is like the nature of sin, to turn away from God and to want and worship something that is not God instead of God with the hopes that you'll get something that God would have given you by faith. It's so insane. It's as insane as a group of Israelites, the people of God, telling God that they're freer than God has just told them they are because God is there in the flesh telling them he wants to make them freer. And then you read the news and get frustrated when people are acting dumb. That is the only option apart from the grace of God. Ever since mom and dad ate the fruit, stupid is the only option. Because of the blinding, mind-distorting, destructive, corruptive effects of sin in our lives. Sorry, it's not just stupid. It's thinking you're smart stupid. And you just go read Romans 1. It's part of the curse of the fall. If you won't have God as the center of your life and your death, he hands us over to everything else being empty while we think we're smart. It's crazy. So. The Son has come to us. And you can see from this passage that's above me, what is his great desire for your life? Can you see from God's holy word that his desire for your life is that you would be truly free, that you would be free indeed as a son in the house of God and not a slave to sin? And there's this little warning in there. He says, a slave does not remain in the house. And it's just picturing like a big house in Old Testament times where someone can be traded in and traded out. And he's just saying, slaves don't stay forever. But if you're a family member, you're part of the family. And so Jesus is saying, I'm here to make you part of the family, a free son. Because how you're living right now in your unbelief, you're not going to stay here forever. And everything that that implies. But can you see his heart? Jesus' heart. What's his desire? What's his plan? What's his plan? That you would be so free. Beginning with. Free from every kind of slavery to sin. Whether it's anger. Lust. Frustrations that produce fits of wrath, whether it's idolatry, witchcraft, or divisions, or discord. You can go read Galatians chapter 5. There's lists of it there. You can go read Romans chapter 1. There's lists of it there. But that kind of turning away from God to protect and serve myself sinfulness, that is the great big bullseye of Jesus' desire for your freedom. And my freedom. And one of the things we can do to know Christ well is to realize that he is willing to wield every other kind of freedom and not freedom in order to work on that one. I think one of the things that we can kind of miss sometimes, maybe it's just us in the Western world, but we can kind of miss that this is Jesus' desire for his people, that we be free from sin. 
And we are free because we're forgiven and we're united with Christ. And we are also working out our freedom by ongoing repentance and ongoing confession and doing the work of getting free from bondage. We're called to work that out. So that we act like we are. Amen? I know Christianity is confusing sometimes. You're totally free and now it's time to learn to act like it. You're totally adopted and now it's time to learn to act like it. You're totally forgiven and now it's time to learn to act like it. You're totally saved and now it's time to learn to act like it. That's kind of this life until Christ returns. But the big idea from this whole message here is this. Well, let me back it up. I'll I'll afford myself a couple more minutes. In one sense, 2020, 2021 was a, a student's dream. Right? How many students haven't for decades woken up and just been like, I wish school would be canceled for a month. I wish I didn't have, I wish I could have stayed home and played video games for a week. Or a month. Or a year. How cool would that be? You know, click in your Zoom, just put on, put on, just, uh, just look down. You can play some Minecraft or something on your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the square root of the hypotenuse is equal to the square root of the A, the B, equal, something like that. Uh. Decades of students dreaming about the freedom of not having to go to school. Right? Okay. This week we had a cold day. Where we didn't go to school because it's so cold. And you're just like, no! No, 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 no! It's just not worth it. All this freedom. Because it turns out you're also free from your friends and free from like feeling like you're growing and free from feeling like you're doing something. And getting high score on Tetris isn't worth it. Nobody cares. You know what I'm talking about? You can be like, RJB, high score. No, nobody cares. But it's not even this, because then you talk to some young people who are approaching like graduation age and they're like, wow, all this freedom. Is this going to mean I can't go to university? I can't go to college? Because... Isn't it, wouldn't it be great to go to school and be free from finals? Wouldn't that be a great freedom? 50 years of just wanting to be free from finals, but now you are free from finals, and you go, well, do I get to go to university still? And it's just like we're living this, this, this forced experience where all this freedom really robs you. True? And, and then you realize, I can want all these freedoms that just totally rob my life. And so, what's the big point of this morning? If we hear the voice of Jesus who wants to make us free from sin, the desire in Christ to be ever freer from sin will not rob you of your life. It will be your life. It will provide you life. It will pave the way for true life. This is the big, I'm waving my arms now. This is the big point. If we'll hear the voice of Jesus, 
where he says the son has come to set you free. And if he sets you free, you're free indeed. So abide in my word and truly be my disciple. He's just saying with all the freedoms in the universe you could ever set your heart on. This is the one that will give you life instead of robbing you of real life. So let's love what Jesus loves, which is our freedom from sin in this life. Amen? Let's get the team up here. I'm going to pray. Holy Jesus, oh man, so good to know you. Even though I can kind of talk with frustration about knowing that you know more about the depths of my problems than I ever will, I'm so glad that I get to come to somebody who is so loyal And I can even relax going, you know what? You know what you want to work on today and you know what you want to work on tomorrow. And I don't even have to stress because you're my God and you love me. And you feel the same way about all your children. That you desire to set us free. And you have set us free in Jesus and you want us to ever grow in the freedom of Christ. And along the way, you want us to learn that you love us even when we're not free yet. So God, this is my desire for everybody listening to us, Lord, that we would ever be growing in this freedom of Christ. And just saying, I just want to be freer and freer from my sin. And know more and more deeply the love of God through Jesus. Because this is going to pay the best fruit in life and eternity. Amen.